Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're here for another episode of Hardcore Church Planning. And based on the green room talk that we just had uh, prior to actually starting the podcast, this is going to be yet another episode where I pretty much just uh, introduce it, sit back, and then uh, come in at the end and say, well done, Peyton. Good interview. Yeah, but remember your fight question at the end. Well, it's the only question I got in my quiver, so <laughs> of course. Why don't, <laughs> you, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? All right. Well, hey, our, our guest is a friend of mine. I'd like to say that we're best friends because he <laughs> once shared a stage with Rick Warren at Exponential. And then I felt we can't be friends anymore because you're too big now. But this is a friend of mine by the name of Ray Ching. He is the senior pastor of Ambassador Church in Brea. And also uh, he has Regenerate, which is his church planning arm of the Ambassador Network. And he is here today to talk to us about his passion for church planning. So, Ray, welcome. Well, thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of your show. Uh, I'm a big fan of you, Peyton. Uh, I love all the stuff that you do, uh, especially your vision of just igniting the church to become like the first century church. So thank you guys for allowing me to be a part of this. All right, man. Well, it's our our privilege. And uh, Ray, uh, well, I'll let Pete ask his first question because uh, I'm just going <laughs> to right away turn that on its head. Pete always asks something before we get started. So I, well, I, Pete, I, you're I, the intelligent, right? Well, <laughs> you're the I'm, smart one, right? I'm kind of surprised that he's actually letting me talk because normally he, <laughs> he pretty much just puts me in the corner. He puts baby in the corner. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> so... So, uh, Ray, why don't you tell us uh, how you came to faith? That's how we like to start off our interview, so so everyone knows mm. about your journey, how you came to faith, and uh, how you, sure. you got to the place where you're at today. You know, um, I came to faith. I grew up in a um, – uh, I, I was born in Korea, so, uh, so I was a, uh, a son of an immigrant. I, I came when I was very young, and my mom was a Christian, uh, third-generation Christian. Her father – uh, was a, a you know a believer or one of the early believers in Korea. Uh, they started churches in Korea. They saw the uh, revivals happen. So my mom was a believer. My dad uh, was a Buddhist, and and so I kind of grew up in a home uh, in Korea as a little uh, boy, kind of in a mixed spiritual family. And uh, but eventually my dad went to church, and and my parents immigrated to America. And there um, I did the whole you know, church thing growing up, really never embracing faith. It was just a cultural thing to do. Uh, but they, at the age of 13, uh, a, a friend of mine um, just told me about this thing called the end of the world, the Antichrist, you know, that Christ was coming back. And I said, what is all that about? And, and I read a book. Uh, it was a book a long time ago talking about prophecy. And reading through the book, there was one chapter that just um, – just caught my imagination. And it was a, a chapter on Jesus. Um, 
fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies. And if there's any person that fulfilled it all, it was Jesus. And, and for some reason, at the age of 13, that made sense to me. And, 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 and nobody's sharing the gospel outside of that. I just, I just trusted Christ. Um, it, it was one of those weird things where I just got in my room and I said, this must be real. And I, I believe in you. And, and from that point on, my life radically changed. Um, I became a flaming evangelist <laughs> in my local high school. I, I started a Bible study. I uh, basically shared the gospel with my friends. I had a little a Bible club that would meet every day for lunch at my high school. And I just could not get enough of, of, of studying God's word and, and sharing about Jesus. So that happened when I was 13. And, uh, and that at the age of 16, uh, just uh, got called into ministry, uh, went back into the, the Korean church to really serve the next generation of youth um, and really trying to, you know, help them understand what true faith was about. And then went to Biola, went to Talbot, went to Dallas. Uh, I needed a lot of education because I wasn't that bright. And, and so eventually going to the seminary, coming back, um, I went on staff at EV3 Fullerton where uh, a guy named Chuck Swindoll was a senior pastor. And I was an intern there. Oh, yeah, yeah, some guy who's, who was, became, eventually wrote some books and <laughs> became the president <laughs> of Dallas Seminary. My, my and then I got has- ordained. My wife has yeah. been having a, a secret uh, affair. Well, I better be careful how I say this. <laughs> it's how gossip <laughs> starts. But yeah. <laughs> I always accuse my wife of having a secret affair of the heart with Chuck Swindoll. She goes, mm. she loves, and I and I gotta say, mm. I value that dude so much. Yeah. Someone asked me the other day, one of the the guys I mentor, who do I if I listen to people, who am I? Who mm. do I listen to as a preacher? And he was top of the list, man. He, mm. He's just one of a kind. You know, when I was a younger pastor, I, and I had the, you know, the, the opportunity to serve with him and under him as an intern. That's where I got ordained. Um, wow. it, it, you know, it, I, I love watching and, and, and hearing him preach. But the two guys that had have, have made uh, probably the most profound influence on my life. So after I got saved at the age of 13, there was another guy on the radio that I was listening to, a guy named Chuck Smith. And he was the, the, the founder of Calvary Chapel. And oh, I just guy? got so, yeah, the other guy, <laughs> the other Chuck. And I started listening to Chuck and my love for God's word actually came out of listening to his radio program, Word for Today. Uh, and I got baptized at Calvary Chapel and, and I, I was part of that movement. And so I had sort of the, the, the kind of the two Chucks in my life, you know, Chuck Smith and Chuck Swindoll. And, and out of Chuck Smith, I, I learned about discipleship about investing in young leaders and what that meant and from Swindoll learned about you know the power of expository preaching uh, practically applying people in truth into God uh, God's truth into people's lives and so from those two experiences um, I went out to DC where I planted my first uh, church and and that was back in the 90s where there was very little on church planting uh, the idea of church planting back then was you throw a bunch of guys in the jungle and whoever survives is a church planter. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the survival of the kind of the fittest kind of mindset. But there was no training. There was no assessment. There was no even financial support. It was just kind of whoever survives. Uh, but out of that, the Lord really uh, blessed that little church plant. And and about three years later, I, I was called back on staff at Fullerton, Swindoll's old church, and they had a new senior pastor. And then from Fullerton, I eventually launched another church plant where I'm currently the senior pastor here at Ambassador Church. So that's kind of my salvation and my calling and ministry all 
put together in one. Wow. Well, you stole Pete's second question. <laughs> no, but but I do have a comment that's probably in, in very bad taste. I'm going to share it anyway because that's just who I am. <laughs> but I was going to Biola when uh, Chuck mm-hmm. Swindoll left um, EB Free and uh, moved out to – it was Dallas, right? Isn't where he went? Dallas. Yes. Uh, yeah, to seminary. become the president of Dallas Seminary, right. And I remember whoever was speaking, I don't think it was Chuck. Uh, I think it was someone else. It, it could have been Chuck. He says, um, you know, don't let this be your last Sunday here. And there was a whole group of us uh, from Biola there. Mm-hmm. And, and people who've listened to the podcast before know that I, during my tenure at Biola, I rarely went to church. So mm-hmm. I think we went because this was his, his last week there. And I still yeah. remember we walk out the doors and uh, one of my buddies looks at all of us and he goes, well, that's the last time I come here. <laughs> it was like, wow. <laughs> he, he said it just because the guy said, don't let this be your last time here. So like I said, yeah. total bad taste joke. But uh, hey, you know, I, yeah. I I was there. I was there when he left. I had to share that. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, the, the good thing about um, and this is where I, I get excited about, you know, the church is more than the senior pastor. And yeah. And, you know, even with Fullerton, now they're on the third pastor since or the second pastor after Chuck. And his name is Mike Erie. And Mike's doing a, a, a fantastic job there. And, and you know, the, to see this church continually sustain and grow. And that's what excites me. And, and yeah. sometimes I think we become so um, people centric uh, or leader centric that we lose sense of, of what the church is, which is the body of Christ. And so but uh, that, that's it's a good reminder. Well, you got uh, Ray. One of the things I totally dig about you, besides having mm-hmm. you know a huge amount of Quan, is uh, I dig the fact that you are uh, really passionate about you know the kingdom expanding, and so mm-hmm. you're a kingdom guy. And, yes, absolutely. You know, uh, t- tell us a little bit about your heart, like your passion for church planning, and where, mm-hmm. what you're thinking these days. <laughs> you know, um, being a church planter is sort of by accident because I, I, you know, when I was planting churches, when I started in, in, in the early nineties, uh, there was very little, I mean, there was one guy named Bob Logan who wrote a church planter toolkit. Uh, that, that's pretty much all the resource that I knew of. Uh, maybe in seminary, when I went to Talbot, we had like one hour in, in a lecture uh, hmm. over a whole semester. And that's probably all the church planting training I got. Uh, you know, sort of the mindset was you do church planting overseas, or if you can't make it in an existing church, then you plant a church kind of thing. And it was seen almost as a secondary option rather than a primary mission. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, the 90s and, and, and seeing um, this, this need for the gospel, especially being in the capital of the world, um, and seeing my own giftedness, you know, what, you know, how has God gifted me? What, what, what are my passions? And, and then began to kind of see, uh, reading other books on missiology saying church planting is the most effective means of evangelism. All these things began to converge. And, you know, my passion for church planting came when, when I saw these people who didn't know Jesus come to know Jesus. And it was almost like, uh, you know, we talk about first century, it's like, hey, this thing really works. You know, this thing, the spirit of God is, is, is moving in this incredible way. And so, you know, I, I always say that even though I, I've always talked about faith, uh, when I actually planted my first church, that's when I actually started living by faith. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I had given up my salary at an existing church and, 
gave up sort of the security and the comfort of an existing ministry and uh, was in my apartment with 11 people that I had shared the gospel with and and seeing the spirit of God, of God move, God supplying, God resourcing was one of the best, one of the most formative experiences of my life. So, so I sort of got sold by doing it um, more than just, you know, taking a class on it or reading it, uh, but really seeing the spirit of God at work um, because of it. Yeah, I would I would say, you know, to use a poor metaphor that, you know, the Holy Spirit is kind of like the, the substance or the drug that causes the addiction to church planning. It's there that you experience the presence of God. And I would say you catch a glimpse of the power of God, like you have in the book of Acts, more there mm-hmm. than anywhere, anywhere else. And so often yeah. people ask me like, hey, you know, what about church planning? It's not church planning that I'm addicted to. It's seeing the Holy Spirit work. And, and I think yeah, you just amen. encapsulated that. But that's where I see him the most. If I'm in a giant church, it's very well established. I just don't experience the same. And part of that's my makeup and calling. But mm-hmm. I feel the Spirit of God coursing through me when I'm on the front lines. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, so, so now you, you were talking to us before this about mm-hmm. your, um, your approach right now and what, what mm-hmm. you've been kind of talking to people about, um, the type of church planning. Uh, you mm-hmm. call it a cohort that you were mm-hmm. starting up. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. <laughs> well, you know, my, my personal vision and passion is, is, to plant churches. So when we planted our, our second church, I planted a church in D.C., and then now we planted a church uh, about uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago here in North Orange County. And because, um, you know, I believe not only in church planting, but I believe in churches planting churches, uh, every year we would launch out a church. So in the last maybe six, seven years, we've planted six, seven churches. And it's a great model. You know, we, we love investing in young leaders. Uh, I did my doctoral thesis on church planting residencies in a local church, uh, seeing the local church as a church planting hub. But as I began to uh, read through, you know, the Gospels and, and read through, um, uh, the new, you know, the book of Acts, and then even my own experience being a part of Calvary Chapel and observing how, uh, you know, Chuck Smith planted a movement of young leaders it was really the same thing that Jesus did, which is get a bunch of guys, invest in them, and then deploy them. And I said, what if we did that as a model for church planting versus just bringing in one guy at a time, which is still important and, and effective. Uh, and so this year, we, we kind of launched a, a different model of gathering a cohort uh, group of guys. So we spent this past year uh, recruiting mostly multi-ethnic uh, Asian American young leaders and saying, okay, what if we invest in them for a year, giving them the best resources that we can find and then deploying them all around the same time and all, you know, saturating uh, uh, different parts of the community. Wouldn't that be a better model? And so I'm not, you know, new to inventing this. It's not mine. It's really what Jesus did. And then I know you're doing the same thing uh, in San Diego with new breed and then others are doing it at other parts. It's the only way that we can accelerate the movement is we have to multiply quickly. And and if we multiply quickly, you know, the, the way we do that is by investing in, 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 you know, groups of people versus just one by one. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what we've been thinking about and focusing on. And so we start, we're starting at our first cohort uh, this month. What you're mentioning there is so important because, um, mm-hmm. 
I think for us, you know, we were talking and in, in when we were in Wales, um, new breeds mm-hmm. started up because of the same thing that if you set a guy off to plant on his own, he was most likely going to fail. It was going to be him mm-hmm. and his kids and his wife and maybe one other person, or maybe they count the family pet. And so what, what, you know, and usually guys are burnt out and fail. So we, we kind of mm-hmm. looked at it and scratched our heads and we started looking in the New Testament where Paul, uh, by his second missionary journey, he's picking up a bunch mm. of other heavy hitters because first missionary journey is just him and Barnabas. And well, when Mark left, that was kind of a downer. I mean, Paul mm-hmm. really struggled. He really struggled because it was hard work. And what we started doing was we said, look, come with us, which of mm. course is what Paul did with Timothy and Ty. Hey, come with me and I'll train you on the way. And so yeah. what we did is we adopted that same model but at the time, we didn't really know that it was out of the book of Acts. We actually just mm. kind of, um, we, we just knew we won't survive unless we do this. And back in the yeah. 80s, that crazy little time that we were talking about, um, you, you, you had basketball teams, might have been the 90s actually, but they were talking about dream teams. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember. Yeah, Michael Jordan was on that, right? That was the yeah. first great team, yeah. You would take dream teams. You would take the star players of other teams and put them together mm. for what they called a dream team. And these guys would travel the world and they yeah. would just kick butt, right? Well, what what if church planning, you had the same model? And I think that's what mm. Paul had. And that's what you're tapping mm. into is this Absolutely. idea of if we took our best and heavy hitters, and we did that in Long Beach, that's yeah. how you go fast. We've planted yeah. in the last three and a half years uh, four churches in that time, mm-hmm. um, just mm-hmm. out of this little core group of heavy hitters. And, and, and Paul began to take that long view. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing is you're leveraging um, opportunity, but you're leveraging uh, gifting as well, because now these guys who plant churches are part of a community that, that can help and resource each other. And, and the thing that really got me excited, you know, as we have planted individual churches, um, you know, and we did a lot of pouring into these guys and some succeeded, some didn't. And, and one of the things that I'm realizing is it, it takes a team and it's not a one man show. It, it takes people, uh, groups of people. It takes core group. It, uh, there's so many more resources involved. And, and, and that's the thing that we are, are excited about is these, you know, guys who are going to be planting churches with us, you know, they, they're, they're seeing themselves as part of the same team even though they're planting yes. individual churches. And, and I think that's what the kingdom mindset is really about. Uh, you know, Peyton, you and I talk about, you know, you know I'm, I'm part of a denomination, uh, the Evangelical Free Church, which I love, and they've invested in me. But the thing I love about the Free Church for me has been their vision of really resourcing the kingdom of God. And so, you know, I teach uh, at, at adjunct at Talbot. I teach church planting boot camp every summer. And it's sponsored by the Free Church, and yet our mission really is to help anybody and everybody plant yeah. churches. And yeah. and I think that's the way you're going to have to do it. You know, in, in this whole new economy, uh, it's not about being sectarian or, or separatist. It's about gathering everybody together and say, okay, we have one mission, and that's Jesus's mission. And what are we going to do to accomplish that mission together? Yeah, absolutely, man. So. Um with your, what's kind of your strategy with the cohort? So you'll, you'll have yeah. these guys kind of banded together. Are you mm-hmm. kind of looking at like every six months breaking off every year? What's the, 
You know, that's a great question. I, I think um, initially, uh, you know, we want to provide, uh, you know, in every church planning uh, model, there's always a few key things that we have to focus on. Number one is assessment. Uh, assessment is key because we have to help them identify what their core competencies, calling, uh, in terms of their ability as a church planner. Uh, so we help them. We're going to be helping them through that. The second thing that we felt uh, is important is we want to give them access to the best training available. And, and we want to invite people like yourself, Peyton, and others uh, to really invest in these guys as well. So we're going to develop a formal training time uh, for that. Uh, but the third is is the timing is going to be dependent in many ways upon the planter and, and, and the context that they're in. Uh, some may take longer than a year. Some may take longer than six years. So, so there's no, uh, you know, you finish this 12 months and then everybody plants. It's more, we have no idea how how sort of the fruit of of this investment is going to be. Uh, and, and and I think fruit's a pretty good metaphor because some fruit takes a little longer than others to to ripen, and and depending upon the age, experience, and, and so forth. The unique thing about this particular cohort that that we're forming. One is that it is focused on uh, sort of an Asian-American emerging young uh, leadership community, um, which is sort of underserved. A lot of them are coming from immigrant churches, and so many of them really haven't had the vision. Their mother churches never had the vision of planting churches. Um, and so we're, we're investing in those guys. The second group of people are, are, are people that really are, are young leaders that really focus on multi-ethnic. How do we reach all people in the name of Christ? Um, and, and, and about four out of the eight guys that we have, uh, they've already tried planning churches. And most of them, like you and I are talking about, they, they were the lone rangers who went out, planted, and failed. Mm. And they have a calling for it, and yet they haven't been able to build traction. And, and so I, I was able to say, what if we re, uh, sort of reboot this church plan, uh, sort of like the Batman franchise, you know, and you, you, know, you go a certain amount and then you have to reboot it again. And, and I said, what if we reboot it? But instead of you doing it alone, what if we do it together as a group? Right. And so that's been sort of our strategy um, as we go into this. It's brilliant. And I think that it will ensure success and safety and guys get to one of the, the real advantages of doing it this way is not only a it's first century, and Paul said, you know, I, I, I planted amongst you like a wise and master builder. Um, Paul was mm. good at what he did. He had a strategy. He, uh, he, he, when he says a master builder, he says, I really knew what I was doing. And, mm. and, and so often you won't find guys who, uh, we always say that there's no expert in church planning. Mm. But Paul's experience, he kind of taught him that, look, I, I laid this foundation. Paul was confident that the foundation that he laid was done solidly. And I think mm. that, uh, you know, he, he uh, raises leaders up um, as he goes. But, but as he moves around, I think that uh, uh, he takes these guys with him and, you know, he's, he's training them on the ground. And, and, and so Absolutely. not only is it the first century model, but it also ensures that those guys aren't going to launch out. Like you said, like I was hoping you would say, we actually don't know. We don't have a strategy. It's refreshing mm. to hear a guy say that because as you, <laughs> in other Acts, words, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I, because as you read the book of Acts, right, you, you could, you could, you're hard pressed to find 
a set other than these principles, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the, the, the cohorts, um, there's some other things that, that Paul did as part of what we, we trained with new breed for a century style planning. But as you look at the, the trajectory of what Paul did, he's really getting interrupted all the time by the Holy spirit and he's dealing with unforeseen circumstances mm-hmm. and he's not allowed to just set the five year plan out. Yeah. You know? He yeah. doesn't get that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, and everybody is so different. And, and we sort of individualize the, the, the strategy around God's calling, God's giftedness, and the context that they're going to be planting in. Uh, some soil is going to be hard, rock solid. It's going to be like cement. Others are going to be very fertile. And, and so part of it is we're just, you know, where is God planting these guys? And what's the context like? So, um, but, you know, wisdom, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, I mean, those are the things that, that are, are the key tools for us in planting churches. Yeah. And I think there's a psychology, isn't there? I mean, when when Mm -hmm. you've got a group of guys together, like say you've got like a a crack commando team, you know, Mm -hmm. these guys are going to go through huge hardships together. Paul's constantly writing about his companions. And you know that as he's, as he's out there on the front lines, his companions are a major part of, of, you know, the, the, the boosting of his morale and the shot in the arm. Um, speak mm-hmm. to that a little bit and, and why that's important for church planners to have guys that they're planning with so they don't quit. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that, that we found um, when guys plant churches, there's nothing more lonely than to be in the field and you have no, uh, it's like sending a guy into battle. And, and basically they are in battle by themselves and they're getting blasted and they're getting hammered, you know, from all sides. I mean, think about the spiritual warfare that a young leader has to go through, uh, you know, emotionally, spiritually, financially. And, and oftentimes they have nobody who can understand what they're, what, what, what they're dealing with. And, you know, the model of, of groups is that, look, if you're not alone, uh, I, I remember in the Old Testament when Elisha uh, was called to take over from Elijah. And, you know, his response was, um, I have nobody here. <laughs> I, right. I, I'm all, all by myself. And God said, no, I, I got this whole cave of young guys that, 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 that I've, I've reserved these men for battle, you know, with you. And, right. and I just want guys to feel like, hey, you're not alone. This is, this is not about us winning God's right. battle. It's about God engaging us in his battle. And right. we can all do it together. And so those are the things that we always um, stress is, hey, if you can do it better as a group, wouldn't that be more effective in terms of, of your longevity? Um, the other analogy I give is, is a bunch of geese flying. You know, when a geese flies by, by itself, it, it's, it's going to slow down and, and it's going to tire. But when a geese flies in formation with other geese, they travel so much further. And, and that's the principle right there is, is that we can support each other. And isn't that really what the body of Christ is designed to do? Well, and, and absolutely. And, and for our listeners today, you know, um, as we get ready to sum up and Pete gets ready to talk again, um, we, we let him talk at the beginning and the end. Um, exactly. So it's just something, hold on, here comes a train. Universal rule, all, all men must wait for the train. But uh, it, it's, you know, it's something to think about, listeners, as you're looking at church planting. Um, maybe mm. you've got three, four church plants um, around your town. Why not? Why not mm. um, possibly unite 
uh, for a season to launch right. safely, to uh, launch strongly. And, and we're not talking big launch. When we say that, it's not like big launch, uh, reaching critical mass, all that nonsense. We're talking mm-hmm. literally of, you know, power teaming, reaching the loss together, and then mm-hmm. sharing that vision for the city and branching out. And then you've got a network of guys who you're, you're interacting, your congregations interacting, you're teaming up for evangelism. So, hey, before, um, before we sign off, Pete has a very important question. It's been burning in his heart. Uh, okay, Pete. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Peyton always likes to throw me under the bus and make me a- ask the, uh, the fun questions. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> basically, what, uh, what our listening audience would really like to know is if you mm-hmm. and Chuck Swindoll were to get into a fist fight, who would win? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I think Chuck's written more books, so he could use his books to, to hit me. So I think he would win. <laughs> so you think he would fight dirty? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, he would. You know what? He's older. He's like in his seventies now. So I, I don't know. I don't, I, I think I could run faster than he can. So <laughs> that's true. But remember, I run away. <laughs> remember yeah. as, as nice as Chuck seems to be when he's teaching, he is an ex-Marine. Uh-huh. He could kill he you is, with his hands. If you get within reach of him, you know. And and he might be like those old kung fu masters where yeah, that's true. like wiry <laughs> thin, they've like strengthened their tendons so that's much right. that they have no muscle mass, but their tendons are <clears throat> iron. And he just he could just crush you with a claw grip. Well, you know, Peyton, you and I are, are Star Wars fans. You think about Yoda. In, in, did you ever see Yoda fight? <laughs> He's like five hundred years yeah. old, and the guy fights like, like a master. Yeah, I see. But uh, you know, I, I would never fight Chuck, and never uh, respect the guy too much. I would just give up. That would be my. You would. You, you'd pull the yeah. Obi Wan no, uh, Kenobi. You'd be like, if you strike me down now, Chuck, I'll be more powerful than you could ever dream. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That, that is an acceptable answer. You were you were the first guest that conceded to his opponent, but that's in right. honor of the Star Wars reference, I respect yes. you for that. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Well, thank you for allowing me to be a part of your uh, discussion today. And I'm excited. Uh, you know, if anybody wants to find more information about what we're doing, they can go to uh, regenerant.org. Uh, and that's R E G E N something something A N T. So I'm glad so, you said that because I was going to ask you what website. Uh-huh. So it's regenerant, yeah. not regenerate. It's regenerant.com. Right, and you know what? It's funny because the word itself means an agent of birth. Mm. It's a chemical word. And I said, wow, what a great concept that really church planting, that God is using uh, these churches uh, to rebirth, give rebirth in a community, the gospel. And, and so that's kind of our mission is, is to be a regenerant in society, not to be degenerate, which is what happens in society. <laughs> so, so we want to be uh, the regenerant part, not the degenerate part. Absolutely. Well, man, it has been awesome having you on here, Ray. Thanks so oh, it's much. It's been great. If if you're a, a church planner uh, and you are looking for a guy who is a connector of church planners all over, Ray Ching is your man. Um, get in touch with him. He is a brilliant dude and absolutely loves church planners of every shape and size. And I highly Amen. encourage you to uh, get on Ray's radar or put him on yours. So this has been Ray Chang on Hardcore Church Planning, and Arnold's going to sign us out.
Remember, if you are called the church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.